Hello and welcome back to the Couch GM Podcast. My name is Ryan and I'm joined, as always, by Matt, Sage Vernon, Chamberlain. How you doing, Matt? You know, I'm, I'm well-rested. I'm mm-hmm. feeling good. You know, we're on a Monday night recording here. And uh, the trade deadline has come and gone. Finally recovered from sleep, in, in terms of sleep from that. Maybe not emotionally, but sleep-wise, I have. The, the, buyouts, the buyout season is upon us, Matt. Yeah. Um, and it has been kind of interesting, but we'll get into that here in a minute. Um, yeah, I, I'm feeling good. You know, I'm, I'm ready for the second half of the season, really. Um, feeling really good. Re- really excited to see some actual, like, playoff basketball. Um, some teams tanking. Yeah. Yeah, my thund- intentionally. Thunder are just riding that tank really hard right now. Um, <laughs> and that's okay. I wanted them to do this. This is expected, as expected. Um, Sam Presti, general tank. That's what we'll be referring to him from now on on this podcast. Uh, anyways, before we get too far into this podcast, let me remind everyone listening uh, to go follow us on Twitter um, at NBA Couch GM Pod and on Instagram at Couch GM Podcast. Um, and also find us um, on, if you haven't already, on your podcast platform of your choice and give us a review. That would greatly help us. Matt, we're up over to like 5,000 downloads total. No, it's crazy. Podcast. People are listening. I know. I know. Thank you for the people who are, are listening. So it's kind of a milestone, you know, when we yeah. had like two downloads on the first episode. Now we're on episode 105 and like 5,000. So I don't know what the rate there is. I'm not good at math, but I mean, it's, it's good. We would look really good on a Kirk's Goldberry, Kirk Goldsberry, you know, one of his little flow charts or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I like that. We're on that Zach Levine trajectory. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, promising, but not quite there yet. Yeah. Gotta thank your lumps. Yeah, we're in like the Minnesota Zach Levine era, really. Yeah, that's... Does that mean I can dunk? I mean, you can. I can't. (laughs) So, there's that. (laughs) Uh, If you missed episode 100... Episode 104, let me recap it for you really quick. We talked about LeBron and uh, Joel Embiid injuries. We talked about trade season burning questions. And then we uh, picked our league pass teams for the week. Matt watched the Bulls after they made some big moves and trades. Uh, They are currently sitting at 19-25 and 0-2 since we last recorded. Not great, Matt. Not great. Not great great on the court. Good stuff off the court. Yes. But yes. Good on the court. Yes. And then I picked the Grizzlies this past week, and they're sitting currently at 21 22 and 1 2 since we last recorded. John Morant still trying to end people on the court. He's got to be careful. He scares me half to death when he goes up for these like flying dunks and comes down on like one leg. It makes me real scared. Yes. But it's really cool looking, Ryan. It That's is all really cool. matters. It's really cool, especially when you try to end Aaron Baines. All the time. Like, that's his goal, I feel like, every time he plays. Love defense. it. Love Anyways, it. what happened in uh, this week in the NBA, man? So, obviously, we'll talk about the trade deadline as our major topic for the pod. But real quick, um, some guys who either got bought out, a um, couple injuries, or some players who didn't get traded that mm. uh, many were speculated could. So, let's run through those real quick. So, the Kyle Lowry thing, Ryan. I, 
It's, did Toronto do the right thing here? I don't think so. I think they should have traded him. I mean, they're, I mean, unless they know something about his commitment coming into next year after free agency, because he only has this it to in the to it, the end of the season, correct on his contract. Yeah, I the the reports are he's looking still somewhere in like the twenty five million dollar range. It's like a two for fifty. He's like thirty five. Ooh, that's rough. So maybe if that was your intel and you were one of the other teams, you're like, I don't want to com- effectively commit to that, even though you can't officially sign it till the summer. Um, you know, I, I would get that. If you're Toronto though, we watched Kawhi walk. Yeah. You know, we watched the bigs, um, Marcus All and Serge Ibaka walk. At, at what point, you know, Danny Green walked. At what point does Toronto be like, we we can't just keep letting these guys walk for nothing? And effectively just replacing their salary with repaying our guys at a higher number. Yeah. I mean, that's a fair point. It's a tough spot because like some of those guys were aging and I can understand like, okay, we have to get our young guys in here and start playing, especially when it came to Gasol and Ibaka, like retaining those guys would have definitely hurt, like helped in the short term, but you got to find out what like Chris Boucher had this season. And we're kind of finding out some of that stuff. They did trade some other guys like what Terrence Davis um, yeah, Matt Thomas. So like, there. It's not that Toronto didn't make moves, um, including another big one in Norm Powell. But with the Kyle Lowry trade, it's or it non trade. Yeah, it feels like they missed out. They could have gotten some assets back for that for sure. I think um, it's just whatever the something is that was being offered. Is that really more valuable than nothing? You know, people always say something's better than nothing. Is it? Is it if it puts money on your books? And who knows if it would have, depending on what the deal was, you know, but this is, this is one of those that, you know, Toronto is going to have to show over the next, you know, calendar year or so that they did the right thing here. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. I wonder if they're Toronto singing sign and trade somewhere this off season too with Lowry and there, that's why they were willing to take this into the summer as a GM though. I would, I would just be hesitant on that. And maybe they were looking for those three first rounds and two pick swaps for Kyle Lowry. I, I feel like that would be a high asking price for Kyle Lowry, but you know, maybe that's something Toronto was looking for and they yeah. just never gotten the deal. Probably. And I wouldn't blame anyone for not doing it. Right. Um, some other names floated around were um, Bogdan Bogdanovich from Atlanta, along with John Collins, Atlanta um, largely stayed put aside from one um, semi major move. Um, Spencer Dinwiddie that people wondered if the Nets would trade his contract since, um, he's out for the year, but they could still, um, trade it. Um, Lonzo ball, another name along with Laurie marketing. We talked about last week of these guys are going to be restricted free agents. Do the respective teams want to pay them? And both teams at least, um, are willing to go into restricted free agency with both those guys and just see what happens. And, and we'll see if they, you know, sign, you know, a contract elsewhere, if their, you know, home teams match it, or is it going to be one of those Malcolm Brogdon situations where Milwaukee is like, we want to bring him back, but we can't really afford it. So you effectively do it as a sign in trade mm. um, and get like a first round pick for Malcolm Brogdon, which is what they got from Indiana. 
So maybe there's something like that in the cards for either the Pelicans or the Bulls um, in those situations. I don't know. Again, that's one that over the next four or five months, those GMs hopefully are going to make us, you know, kind of eat our words with like, why didn't you trade them? I don't even think they should have traded them. But for those who are, I, I understand um, that there there's other options here, but you, you're going to prove that you did the right thing. Um, last few names, Miles Turner was, of course, floated out there. Montrez Harrell was floated out there. The Lakers have kind of learned, oh, he really doesn't play defense. <laughs> um, Kelly Oubre, that was one I know I've kind of been harping on. Golden State probably needed to make a move. They ultimately decided not to. Another one that might come up in a sign-in trade over the summer. And then Sacramento Kings largely stayed put, and they decided not to trade Harrison Barnes or Buddy Heald. I Sacramento, from the reporting, is they're just going to push for the you know ten spot. So good luck. Um, I hope that works out. <laughs> uh, knowing Sacramento, that's not going to work out for them. <laughs> Probably not. Um, and some buyout guys we'll talk about real quick. Um, Andre Drummond has uh, got bought out with Cleveland. He's going to go to the Lakers. Marcus Aldridge got bought out from the Spurs, and then he stunned Miami by choosing to go to the Brooklyn Nets. Um, there was also Gorgie Jang got bought out by Memphis. He's going to go to San Antonio, effectively replacing LaMarcus Aldridge. And uh, Austin Rivers, who was involved in a trade um, on the deadline, he's getting bought out and going to Milwaukee. Uh, I think I hit all the buyout guys that have found a new home so far. Um, but if I missed one, let me know. A couple other just... Side notes, um, injury-wise, Mitchell Robinson, just getting back from that, I think it was like a wrist injury or hand injury, comes back, and now he fractured his right foot out for foreseeable future. I don't know, if you're in the Knicks, you probably just got to play this one safe and, and keep him out. But um, in Oklahoma City, Shea Gildas-Alexander also will miss significant time with a foot injury. And Al Horford... Um, is helping Sam Presti drive the the tank, and he's going to sit out the rest of the year for OKC as well. Yeah, I mean, this is what I've been this is what I've been saying. You know, it's it's time to tank. Fade for Cade is the is the thing going around Oklahoma City Twitter. I mean, um, Al Horford, I guess he helps you in games, but he's it, not Moses Brown. So <laughs> yeah, Moses Brown coming out of nowhere having like a twenty rebound game. I uh. You know, it makes me think that uh, Thunder were chill- really trying to work a deal in at the trade deadline for Al Horford um, after this news breaks a couple days after the trade deadline, uh, knowing that they probably couldn't have moved him uh, with yeah. the remaining contract. But um, I-, I think there were probably some phone calls had, and I wonder how close Al Horford sure. was to get getting traded at the deadline. Not a ton of bigs getting moved, though, at the deadline. Obviously, there's the big Vucevic deal, Daniel Tice, but not a lot of big get moved this deadline. A lot of more wing types. So, yeah, yeah. Everyone's convinced themselves they got to have two bigs because that's what the Lakers did to win the championship last year. So that's the majority of the news that has come across the NBA this past week, aside from trades, which is now just what we'll get into. Uh, so what we'll do is go through all these major, major-ish moves 
um, for the different teams. Uh, we'll talk about them along with kind of a major question that headlines um, each team um, and, and the implications of their move. And then we'll just do a quick run through of some other minor ones that, you know, they're out there. See what, see if they mean anything later on, but let's get started with teams that actually, you know, matter. Mm, mm. So let's go to the one that was, how do I, how do I phrase this? The Aaron Gordon um, saga, the one that everyone knew was coming, but no one knew exactly where it was going or for how much. Yeah. It's like, we all knew it was happening. We just couldn't pinpoint it. <laughs> so Denver, um, of course, acquired Aaron Gordon and Gary Clark from the Orlando Magic in exchange for Gary Harris or what was left of Gary Harris. RJ Hampton, who was a, a late first round pick in this past draft and a 2025 first round pick. Also, the Denver Nuggets in a separate deal acquired JaVale McGee from the Cleveland Cavaliers in exchange for Isaiah Hartenstein. And then a 2023 and 2027 second round pick. So not a lot given up there to get JaVale McGee, um, but a couple seconds involved. So Ryan, Denver adds Aaron Gordon and JaVale McGee. Gary Clark is just kind of a depth guy. But with these moves, Ryan, mm-hmm. are the Denver Nuggets a true contender now? That's a hard question for me to answer because I, I kind of pegged Denver as a true contender coming into the season. Mm. I think I had Jokic as my MVP. Um, whether he wins that or not will is still up in the air. Um, but I, 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 yes, I guess in a way, <laughs> like I, you know, it puts them I think right up there with the two LA teams as potential contenders. And then on the other side, the Philadelphia and Milwaukee's and the nets of the world. Um, I think it puts them in that conversation for sure. I don't think, uh, you know, nationally or national media maybe has covered the nuggets as much or put them in that conversation as much. I think on maybe more some niche podcasts, you know, people have been hammering, the bell for the Nuggets um, to be a championship contender, and I think they're there. I think Aaron Gordon gives them some some athleticism that they just didn't have before, mm. and a really good defender that can you know be thrown at LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, even Luca. Um, if we're talking about those types of teams um, that they just didn't have, you know, that was one of the biggest question marks around the Denver Nuggets was who is going to defend these guys come come crunch time and it certainly wasn't going to be any of the two stars that they have in Jokic or Murray. Um, but Gordon can kind of be thrown at those guys now and it's not Paul Millsap anymore, which is a yeah. significant upgrade. Um, you know, I, I like the nuggets. I like the move here, the both moves here. I don't, you know, getting Aaron Gordon's a nice piece because, Oh my goodness. Those uh, lobs from Jokic is going to be something special here pretty soon. Right. I think the athleticism bit you hit on, that's like one of the key points here that they lost to Jeremy Grant, but even Jeremy Grant, Aaron Gordon's a much better athlete, finisher, yeah. lob catcher than Jeremy Grant ever was. Um, also stronger. So yeah, mm-hmm. he gives them an above the rim element that they just didn't have before. And it's like, Jokic is a great passer, as we all know, in just you know spraying it out to corners and open shooters. Now you're giving him a pick and roll option again, where Jokic is the ball handler. And like, we've already seen that like Aaron Gordon made his debut the other day for the nuggets. 
And they ran that like top of the key, high pick and roll with Jokic and Gordon setting the screen. And it's just like, what do you do? Yeah. You know, you switch it and Gordon's got a man on his back and Jokic just kind of toss it up. Yeah. Just, you know, put Gordon as a weak side, you know, off ball screener and gets a slip and it's a dunk. You know, it's just like, there's no, there's no layups here. There's just, you know, yams. And so, (laughs) and it's just Aaron Gordon, it it looked so easy for him Mm -hmm. in the first game. And I'm not saying like he played a great first game, but you know, it's just like, he didn't have to work very hard to get points. Yeah. I think that's the biggest thing I'm most excited for about this Gordon trade is this is like, if this is where we find out if Aaron Gordon's like a legit superstar or not, like in, in Orlando, it was always such like, I don't know. It, it felt like the weirdest thing in Orlando with like three other bigs plus Aaron Gordon playing yeah. at the same time and just clogging up the lane or clogging up cutting lanes. And now it's, I mean, Aaron Gordon can really be unleashed here. And that's what I'm most excited about. Like we get to f- find out like how legit is Aaron Gordon. That question is finally getting answered, I think. And I don't think he's a superstar, but I think he can be a super role player. And if you just need him to be a great screener, great slasher, great finisher around the rim on pick and rolls and dives and slips, and a great, you know, kind of three, four defender on those bigger wing forward guys, he can do all that. Don't yep. make him run your offense. Don't make him be the initiator. Don't make him be the decision maker. Just have him do all the other, you know, I don't want to say dirty work, but all the other things you just need to have your a, a nice, flowing, complete offense. Just do all that stuff and do it well. And if Aaron Gordon will buy in, then like this is a no-brainer home run, you know, trade for Denver. This is, but like they're making a move like a team that's trying to win a championship. And so getting back to the question, you and I both, you know, thought coming into the year, like they could finish as like the one seed in the West, just like record wise. Right. Right. It was just going to be just having the best record in in the regular season. Doesn't mean you're a legit, you know, contender though. But I, I do think they were on the fringe of that tier Mm -hmm. before the move. And I think maybe not kick themselves right into the middle of that with like Brooklyn um, and Milwaukee and, and Philly and LA, but at least they're, they're arm's length now. They're not on the fringes anymore. They're they're there ish. They're 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 close enough to where you get one Jamal Murray supernova game in Game Seven, and yeah, why not? Yeah, a hundred percent. And I think something we haven't really touched on yet: the Javel McGee, the backup center minutes here, is going to be big for them. I think come playoff time too. Um, I think we both kind of. <laughs> made fun of Javel McGee at some point on this podcast. Definitely. Uh, and I think he's he's a nice piece to have, at least. He's played in those big moments now, um, playing with either the Lakers last year, or the Warriors and years prior. Um, he kind of brings some of that playoff experience and what you lost. And uh, it was Miles Plumley, right? Who was backing up center there? It was now Mason. in Detroit. Mason. Um, uh, and, you know, that's another hole they filled. I, I liked all the moves Denver did here and giving up, you know, essentially a project first round pick and a future first round pick to get a swing 
two swings essentially at a NBA championship. Like yeah. that that's a move you make. Yeah, you have to. Um and also with like just talking about center minutes. I mean Jokic is gonna play 30, 35 minutes a game at center. Right. right. You know, especially in the playoffs. So it's only those last 10, 15 minutes or so that you gotta fill. Paul Millsap will get some of those minutes. JaVale will get some of those minutes. If they want to go super small, Gordon could get some of those minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, Bobo, in terms of playoff-wise, really shouldn't be in the rotation, so that's probably right. a good thing long-term. So, you know, I, I think it, these were two good moves. And Denver, they always somehow have guards, and whether that's backups and Monte Morris and Compazzo um, mm-hmm. or starters with Jamal Murray and Will Barton. Like, they always have guards and shooting. It's just... They always needed to shore up the front court. And and this bumps Paul Millsap to the bench and allows him to kind of, you know, navigate with the second units and kind of just be the heady veteran that he is at this point more than anything. So I think overall this is a win for for Denver there. If they're not the winner of trade deadline, uh, of the trade deadline, they're definitely, you know, 1B. No, the 1A is Terrence Ross. <laughs> His Twitter account was just fire on uh, last Thursday when the trade deadline hit. Hundred percent. I am the captain now, Matt. I am the captain now. Um, talking about the Orlando Magic, they, <laughs> they fire sale is what fire. happened, yeah. right? Um, so the major move from Orlando going to Chicago was Nikola Vucevic, right? Mm. The, the player that was supposedly not on the trade market at all. He was he was a no touch guy. Um, but Nikola Vucevic and Al Aminu are going to go to the Chicago Bulls in exchange for Otto Porter Jr., who's effectively was in the trade to make the money work. And then the Magic are also getting Wendell Carter Jr., the young big man. And then two first-round picks in 2021 and 2023, both top four protected, but most likely those protections won't matter. The Bulls probably won't be that bad. Definitely not this year and most likely not in 2023. So effectively, it's his, this is Vucevic for Wendell Carter Jr. and two first. That's what the deal is. Mm-hmm. So Chicago was not done on the day, though. So real quick, just running through the rest of their moves. They also acquired Troy Brown Jr. from the Washington Wizards in exchange for Daniel Gafford and Chandler Hutchison. So really no big deal there. Taking a swing on a young wing who can do some playmaking. And Daniel Gafford might have slightly mattered, but in this next move with the Boston Celtics, they acquired Daniel Tice. Um, and they also acquired Javante Green. And they sent out Luke Cornett, a backup big that got a few minutes from him, and Mo Wagner, who is also a part of that Troy Brown deal, but they effectively just rerouted him to the Celtics. So Chicago Bulls coming right coming away with five new players on the roster here. Vucevic, Aminu, Brown, Tice, and Green. So Billy Donovan's got some rotations to figure out now. He's got got some faces to learn and names to learn. But um, I I would not mind being in this situation though if I'm Billy Donovan because you you came out of this was Nikola Vucevic. Yeah, I mean that, and like you've gone from like a bunch of somethings to like NBA somethings. Like we don't know if like Wendell Carter can make it in the NBA anymore. Like we just, there's so many question marks about him. Like Chandler Hutchinson has been in and out of the rotation. I feel like for years at this point, 
what has it been? When did he get drafted? 2017 or something like that? It feels like, yeah, three-ish years um, ago. Daniel Gafford, I think you were pretty high on him coming out of the draft. Um, I mean, he, like he was a really good second-round pick a couple years ago that yeah. has, at worst, lived up to his you know draft stock, if not slightly exceeded it. Yeah, back up big. Yeah, exactly. Um, but then going out and getting Daniel Tice, which is probably one of the best, if not the best, backup big in the league. Yeah, still um, there. Yeah, essentially still from Boston because Boston needed to get uh, out from under the repeater tax. Um, yeah, I mean, like all these moves, like are pretty good. I think, like overall, like yeah. we'll have to see. Like you're, they're clearly building around Zach Levine at this point, right? Like this is the we're not going from we're going we're moving away from trying to pick in the lottery every year. And that was kind of the burning question: like, what are they trying to accomplish here? I think that's oh, that's it. Yeah, yeah, they're tired of picking in that seven eight range, whatever. <laughs> they always whatever, get the seven spot. <laughs> yeah, whatever pick they always get, they're tired of picking there, and obviously, like ownership wants to see then make the playoffs. And, you know, that was the expectation, I think, surrounding Chicago this year. Um, I had them. I picked them as making the playoffs as, I think, the eight as one of my last teams in. And they just really haven't been that good. They've, the other night before the trade deadline, Utah just destroyed them, just absolutely blew them out of the building. Um, And it wasn't, I mean, it wasn't really that close. Like, after the first quarter, the game was pretty much over. Um, I mean, who can't stop anybody? Yeah, so, that, that's the thing. Um, you got to just embrace outscoring people, I think, at this point. That, that's part of it. If, if we're just not going to stop anyone, we might as well try to outscore them. So, Vucevic obviously helps with that. You know, Brown can help do some facilitating as well. Um, Aminu is a defensive guy. Javante Green, athletic defensive type guy. Daniel Tice, again, more of a defensive guy, but can definitely do some things on offense, can stretch the floor a bit. So there's some offensive production there. I think it's just like if we're going to have to play guys and we're going to build around Zach Levine, like you mentioned, like let's let's figure out like what we've got here. Wendell Carter Jr., they were clearly just done with that experiment. Right. At least Billy Donovan was. So... um Wendell, that's going to be a really interesting situation, and we'll talk about him more in a moment. But it's like if we're going to lean into Zach Levine, like how great can he really be? You know, can he really run an offense? Give him a big to play with. I think across the league now, we've seen like bigs aren't being exiled if bigs have skill. That's the thing. You got to have skill. You can't just be this rim runner anymore. Yeah. So, okay, so now you have a legit pick and roll, pick and pop you know, short roll, make decisions, big man to go with Zach Levine now, right? Vucevic has been an elite offensive center in the league now for the last probably three years. So you pair him with Zach Levine, you give him a real option there, along with still the Kobe Whites and Tomas Sadoransky, Pat William type guys, Lori Markinen still on the team, like we mentioned at the top. Like, so there's guys to pass the ball to, you know, it's, it's a situation where like, yeah, depth wise, you're still playing whoever, but at least you know at any given point, like we could put five guys out there and feel pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it's not all 48 minutes of the game, but for 30 minutes, 37 minutes of the game, there will always be five very competent players out there. 
And yeah. the Bulls really didn't have that before. Yeah, I think that's the 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 you hit the nail on the head there is that Chicago is just so clearly tired of just trying these experiment with guys, right? Like, oh, we'll pick this guy kind of mid mid. You can only draft in the lottery so many times, <laughs> right? You just end up with too many guys, and then you're like, man, this is just not working out, and then you're rebuilding again, right? Yeah. We've seen that with so many so many NBA teams that have been kind of stuck in this perpetual like draft lottery status. Um, and I like that they kept Colby White. Um, I don't I don't hate that they kept Laurie Markinen. I think we touched on him last week. Um, but the fact that, you know, he hasn't been necessarily put in the best spot to win, I think you could probably throw Wendell Carter in that situation too. Yeah. Um, you know, now it's time to figure out, like, you get these last several months as Laurie Markkinen to figure out, like, are you like a legit NBA player? Can you play in an NBA offense? And, you know, it's not an experiment anymore. Like, this is a team that's trying to win and trying to win and make the playoffs. Um so I, I think that's going to be an interesting piece, especially going to restrictive free agency, like you touched on earlier with Lori. Uh, but Wendell, man, going to Orlando, you want to talk about a team that's tanking. Yeah, I mean, they're, are we going to see some Wendell Carter, Mo Bamba lineups together? Is that going to be a thing? Man, you got to feel, it, it almost feels like Orlando is ready to give up on Mo Bamba. Like after this oh, yeah. trade, like there's like, you can't do anything with him. Right. Like what do you, the what, same what, draft picks number six and seven in the same draft and Orlando chose Mo Bamba. but now it, yeah, it just, it feels like that's over and Mo Bamba will get another shot in the league somewhere else. Cause guys just do. Yeah. But Mo Bamba in about two and a half years could just be like done in the NBA just straight up, man. He looked really good against that chair, though, in the workouts. <laughs> he, he was a very intriguing college prospect. Um, Do you think in the right, like, if he gets on, like, a, a second chance somewhere else, if he gets on, like, a legit playoff contender, does he get, you know, does he play better defense? Is he a better better mm-hmm. defender? That's the thing. He's just played so little. I don't yeah. know if we actually know. Like, cause part of the billing was he – you know, Serge Ibaka, he can block right. shots. He can shoot threes. So I don't, I don't really know if he can do that at the NBA level. Cause I, I haven't seen him out there for more than three and a half minutes at a time, you know? Yeah. So, it kind of feels know. like, I don't know. Like, I feel like Charlotte would be a good fit for him. Just get him somewhere where, mm-hmm. you know, he can get the ball in the right spot at the right time. Cause I mean, the thing with Orlando is that they haven't had a point guard. They haven't had anybody to facilitate really. Definitely and, doesn't help him. Yeah, exactly. And we kind of I talked know. about that last week too, but yeah, I just, I'm going to throw out a team real quick. Toronto. Yeah. You know, just, yeah. just, just see if it works. And if not, let it go. No biggie. But going back to the Wendell, who's, I think it's just the better player straight up. Um, mm. It, it's not quite as dire for him. Like this right. has to work or, or else, but it's a bit closer to that than we all thought it would be at this point in his career. I, it feels like Orlando's bringing him in and they can probably get him on a pretty reasonable deal in the off season. Mm. Like, I really wonder, could they get him at like four for 36, maybe even less than that? Could you really push it? 
could you what'd you say four for 36 yeah so it's nine a year yeah that's a pretty good deal like honestly it is um it's it's a little long but you know if you're orlando who cares so he's like 21 something like that uh 22 something yeah because this is fourth year in the league so or third year so you know if you could get him at a, a below 10 million a year number and this kind of works and like you you have something on a good you know team friendly contract but it again i think your point of there's still not really a point guard in this team they drafted cole anthony this past year i like cole anthony a lot um rj hampton i like him a lot but are either of them really looking to you know be a point guard facilitate for him maybe not also your best bet's markel Right. And, and in the pick and roll, what is Wendell really providing you? Because he's not a lob threat. He really isn't. And the the billing idea for him coming out of Duke was he can be the short roll passer, make some plays out of, out of the elbow type guy. And maybe he just hasn't had the opportunity for that in Chicago. But part of me always thinks if you're good enough at it, the coach will let you do it. <laughs> so if you're not good enough at it, Maybe that's why the coach is letting you do it. Yeah, that's a good point. I wonder – I'm going to look him up. How many games has he played in? Um, He's played in 120 career games. Effectively, that's a year and a half in the NBA. And this yeah, is, so, is so he's hardly played, like, at all, really. And, you know, that's no one's fault. But right. if you're Chicago, like, you, you couldn't keep going with that for forever – and continuously wondering like will this ever work that's why i i liked it for chicago of like put your foot in the ground and say we're going this way mm. orlando mm. they did the same thing they put their foot in the ground they're just trying to go the other way right to the very bottom of the standings <laughs> and with the roster and team they're putting out there right now on the floor they're definitely going to do that like the other day they put out starting lineup i don't think anyone was averaging 10 points a game holy god <laughs> It was rough. rough. Oh, I feel so bad. I mean, this is where Orlando, no offense to Orlando fans, but this is where they've shot. Like, they've been able to get those, like, top picks and then turn them into superstars, really. Going back to Shaquille O'Neal days. Three top five pick this year. Desperately need it. Yeah. Um, And then, again, just real quick for, you mentioned it for Chicago, Daniel Tice. Nice little pick up there. Really finessed a desperate Boston Celtics team. For that, um, and again, Daniel Tice. Again, as a Celtics fan, I know he's not the best center in the league by any means, but he's a good center. Like he's a good starting center. At worst, he's a great backup center. So now you can I'm not saying you'll play him and Vooch together, but anytime Vooch comes off the floor, they'll always know like we have a good center to play behind him. So there's something nice about that. So we'll go ahead and transition over to Boston, um, since just mentioned them with Daniel Tice. They also acquired Avon Fournier from the Orlando Magic um, in exchange for Jeff Teague, who was later waived, and two second-round picks. So effectively, and Boston just did the Jeff Teague bit just for the roster spot. So Evan Fournier for two seconds. Does this change anything for Boston? Let me me ask you that question. I'm not the Boston fan here. That's ready to push the panic button on this season. Um, so 
and and regarding the Daniel Tice thing, one, this feels like a thing where it's like Brad Stevens quit playing Daniel Tice. <laughs> like, play Robert Williams. Um, this is definitely that Malik uh, Beasley thing that the Nuggets did last year and was like, you just got to stop playing him. Like, we're not telling you anymore. We're going to make you. We're forcing your hand. So I think that's part of it for Boston. Like, they've got to figure out what they have in Robert Williams. Yeah. Because, again, he's one of those guys who's coming up. Um, right. So Boston's got to figure out, are we paying him? Are we not? How much? Um, he's got to go out there. And he, he provides just something different for the Celtics, right? Mm-hmm. Daniel Tice, good player, good floor spacer, but not the vertical threat. So I think that's part of it for Boston is it's not just that we don't have Daniel Tice and we added Mo Wagner and Luke Cornett. Um, and that deal, it's that Robert Williams is getting more playtime. Now, talking about Fournier, I mean, definitely a score shooter. Yep. I He won't close games, though, unless, you know, Kimba or someone's just having a terrible night and Fournier's hot. Like, it's still going to be Kimba, Marcus, Jalen, and Jason with who, whatever center you, excuse me, put out there, whether that's Mo Wagner or... Um, Robert Williams or Tristan Thompson, even um, it's that's still the lineup. And then Fournier, just if one of the guys is out or just ice cold, but I do like the Fournier bit for the, you know, minutes when, you know, Jalen or Jason has to go out and it's like, we, we need someone to just spark our offense. I like Fournier for that in terms of like championships and making, you know, playoff runs. I don't think it's that impactful, but maybe this, I don't know, maybe it helps Boston stay afloat and get at least the six in the East and avoid the play-in. But yeah. that's that's about as much as I can, you know, squander up in terms of hopefulness here. We talked about Boston in past podcasts, and I think the thing that's been missing from the offense has been that zip to the basket, right? That, that ability to get off the dribble, get to the basket, get to the free throw line. Yeah. Um, and passing, you know, passing has been the other thing that's just been totally absent from Boston this year. Um, their assist numbers are way down and there's lots of reasons for that, but I don't think Evan Fournier helps that a ton. I mean, he helps it a little bit. He definitely gives a little zip to the offense. Um, he's definitely not necessarily a downhill type of player, um, can shoot the ball really well <clears throat> and, I don't know. I mean, I think it's a nice move. Like it's a nice piece to get, like you're giving up very minimal, minimal pieces, assets for right. Evan Fournier. So it's kind of a, why not move for Boston? Um, you know, the why not is the, you, you're using your trade exception here. Right. Exactly. You're using 17 out of the 28 million here for a guy that is expiring. This and- year. Maybe he wants to come back. Maybe he doesn't want to come back. Who knows on what kind of number? And, you know, effectively, this, is, this was 20, the use of it. Yeah. He was a 20 point per game scorer this year, right? Yeah. Is he expecting to get paid like a 20 point per game scorer? Because if that's the case, he's not coming back for anything less than. Or is there, million. yeah. Or is there a level of understanding like, dude, you're in Orlando? Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I think I like this move for Boston. I wish they were a little bit more aggressive. We talked about, I think Gordon uh, going to get Aaron Gordon off air. Um, but we've talked about the problems that brings up with Boston that right. came up with Gordon Hayward. So that's not necessarily a great fit. 
of the players available, you know, if John Collins wasn't available, maybe this is the best they could do. And again, Boston's not going to make a bad deal for Boston. Right, so exactly. Daniel Tice feels like a little bit of a bad deal, but, you know, if you're thinking Robert Williams stepping up there, also getting Yvonne Fournier, like losing Daniel Tice was worth it to get under the tax line. Cause that was another, honestly, like, let's just be honest. Like that was a big part of this for Boston was they, they didn't want to be in the tax this year because they know they're going to be in the tax the next couple years. And so why get into the repeater tax earlier than you have to. Right. Cause that's just brutal to the owners. So again, I get it. Do I feel like Boston's a better team today than I did the day before the deadline? Not really. Yeah. But it's again, at least we're going to play guys, you know, also another one is Peyton Pritchard here. So Jeff Teague gets off the court. Um, Peyton Pritchard's going to play. So like, at least we're going to, we're going to truly understand what we have from our young, young players, young yeah. players plus Fournier. That's really yeah. I mean, the other thing is that, I mean, maybe the idea is that you can Romeo Langford back at some point, you know, he's been out with health and safety protocols. I saw him, a video of him warming up. So maybe you're, you know, the thought is he, if he's close to getting back, why try to make a mega deal for someone when, you know, you know how you have this guy coming back um, at some point. And, and I'm not even he, saying like a mega deal would have been the right move. Right. I just don't know if this was the right move either. I don't know. I don't know the right move. Maybe there just wasn't one out there. This is the toughest spot for an NBA team to be in where you have two superstars who are awesome and trying to fill out the rest of the team around them um because <laughs> all, people always say oh it's so hard to get superstars not really like we've seen it a ton like just tank to the bottom of the nba and you draft one of the top three picks like that's the formula it's it's the rest of the stuff that yeah. gets gets murky filling it out right filling it out around them correctly right right so Big- We'll pivot now to a couple other Eastern Conference teams that are looking to make that championship-level push. So we'll start with Miami because they were a bit more active. So they acquired um, Namaji Bielitsa from the Sacramento Kings in exchange for Mo Harkless and Chris Silva, so really giving up nothing there. Um, Bielitsa had just hated it in Sacramento, and why wouldn't he? Um, So they got him out, so that was smart especially considering then that Miami also traded for Victor Oladipo from the Houston Rockets in exchange for Kelly Olenek. So Bielitsa is effectively going to take Olenek's minutes. Also, they gave up Avery Bradley in that deal and the rights to a 2022 pick swap, which won't be exercised because Miami is going to be better than them. Um, Mm -hmm. But Victor Oladipo, Namaji Bielitsa joining the Miami Heat. Ryan, good? Does this does this lock them into the top four of the Eastern Conference? Good, or is this like lateral, you know, sidestep moves? You know, I don't know if this puts Miami over the top or not. Um, they're, they're not in the Milwaukee, Brooklyn, Philly tier still. I don't think. Yeah, because uh, I mean that four spot is still open. Um, I think I saw Atlanta up there the other sure. day, yep. in, in the four. Um, I think there's still a big gap uh, between those three teams in the East you named and then Miami. Um, it doesn't feel like, I mean, unless Victor Oladipo returns to being the 
um, all NBA player he was a couple of seasons ago in Indiana. It doesn't feel like this move really pushes them over the edge. I mean, for what they gave up, like, of course you do the deal, right? Like right. you're giving up essentially nothing to get a potentially all-star slash all-NBA player. Um, and if Miami's the team to revive this guy's career, it's going to be Miami, right? If there's one team to do it, it will be Miami and Eric Spolstra and Pat Riley in that front office. But I don't know. I don't, I don't love the move as much as some people do. Um, I think their rotations and lineups get a little murky now. Like is Kendrick Nunn, like who's taking, who's giving minutes up to play Oladipo? It's going to be Kendrick Nunn, obviously, I think. Um, which I guess isn't so bad. He fell out of the play- playoff rotation last year um, until Dragic got hurt. And then he kind of got inserted back into the lineup. I don't know. I, I think it's a fine move. Like you do the deal for what it was worth, but in terms of pushing them over the edge and putting them in championship contention, I don't think it does much for me. What, I mean, where, where are you at with him at? I think I'm feeling the same again, effectively the deal is Olenek and dead money for hmm. Bielitsa and Oladipo. So like, yeah, you take the chance because if it works, like there is legitimate like upside here. hundred percent. The probability though, is that it's not going to work. The probability is like this. I don't know. I'd be willing to like go as far as like, there's an 80% chance that this is not going to work the way Miami like hopes it's going to work. I don't know. Some people are like, obviously like you mentioned, like, you know, you put it on a really cool edit and you post it on Instagram and you got Jimmy <laughs> Butler and, and Victor Oladipo and bam. And it's like, okay, that, that was really, that would have been really cool two years ago. Yeah. But yeah. We're, we're just not there with Oladipo anymore. Like he showed flashes with Indiana at the beginning of the year. And he had a couple nice games for Houston this year. And maybe Houston um, just is not a good gauge of where Oladipo is like that game film. Again, it it almost goes back to the Wendell Carter Jr. point. Like, if you can do it, do it. And if you can't, like, it's just going to get exposed. Right. So, you know, we've seen, you know, guys like Blake Griffin and and Brooklyn now. It's kind of like, oh, he can do some stuff. But it's like, is he really doing that much? I mean, yeah, he literally dunked the ball the other day. But, like, what he was doing really wasn't any different than what he's doing in Detroit um, the past year and a half. It's just, it looks a lot better and a lot easier when you're on Brooklyn. Yeah, so, when you have other all-stars around you. Sure. sure, so like Oladipo now, again, he takes a lot of, you know, just bad jump shots. He's not really a three-point shooter. He tries to get to the rim. I don't know, is, are those shots and, you know, attacks more available in Miami and so it looks a little easier and a little cleaner? Maybe, but I'm not counting on Oladipo to put up more than what, 14 points a game. Yeah. Like, and then again, to me, what always made Oladipo like the star he was, was the defense. Right. And I know Miami obviously very much predicates themselves on the defense, the different defenses they can throw out there. Um, they did the weird zone things for large portions of the year. If Oladipo can't do that, Eric Spolstra very obviously does not want to play those guys like Kendrick Nunn. Like you can get your, you know, regular season minutes, but if you can't defend, like he's just not going to play you. Yeah. A hundred percent. And I think something, I mean, they went out and got Trevor Ariza way before the deadline. 
Right. And it just kind of feels like they have like some cool names to have on the team. But yeah. like Trevor Reza is what, 35, 36 at this point? He might even be older than that now. But yeah, that's the and, point. And like, I think they would have been better served to go get, you know, that stretch four that works so well with Jake Crowder. You know, I guess that's the point. I guess that's my overall point. If you're wanting to keep Jake Crowder for whatever, you know, free agency deal or have Oladipo and Trevor Ariza, which would you rather have at this point? Sure. I'd rather just have Jake Crowder. Yeah. I know I think, Jake Crowder can play 25 minutes on the court tomorrow. Right. Exactly. And I think that's kind of, kind of where my head is at with this deal is like, if you were going to make this deal and you were going to like, if the idea is, okay, let's, let's get Oladipo in here, get his medical, see if he can actually play ball. Because if we're going to sign him as a free agent, this is summer. Like we want to know these things right ahead of time. And that I do all think those medicals are like honestly as big of a part of the steel as anything. Sure, all that checks out. But let's say like you get his medicals, he doesn't play well. You're not signing to that free agent contract anyway. Wouldn't you rather just have a guy who can play in the NBA for 20 minutes in a playoff game? Right, and and Jay Crowder. I I totally get it. I it's it's easy to say this in hindsight, but at the same time, it. It goes back to honestly Houston's misevaluation of Oladipo and the James Harden trade, you know. And they are, yep. you know, they say like, "Oh, we just want to make sure our books were clear." For who? <laughs> like you didn't want Karis LeVert because you wanted your books clean. Okay, for who? Right. Or is that just your cop out answer now of like, "Oh, we thought Oladipo was something. He's not really anything." Yeah, I mean that's a great point too. I, you know, Houston. I think has just fumbled this whole James Harden trade. Like you look at the return. They better absolutely nail their draft picks. Yeah. If they don't get those four draft picks, right. It'll be all for nothing. Um, And their picks. If their picks are at the top of the draft and they actually get to keep some of them, they better nail those too. Yeah. They, they have to like be crossing their fingers that they land the top three pick this year. Um, because if not, it goes to the thunder and that's what I'm, that's what I'm all about, Matt, getting those two right. top, top five draft picks for the thunder. Anyways. Um, I don't know. I, I don't hate the deal. I don't, I also don't think it puts them over the top. Like some people think it does. Yeah. Sure. This is a very much a wait and see move. Yes, exactly. So Philly, the other um, major Eastern conference team that made an upgrade. So very much in the Kyle Lowry pursuit. Obviously didn't happen. Sounds like Toronto was asking for just too much, mm. you know, because they needed salary. So like a Danny Green, plus it sounded like a young player and a pick. But honestly, even that wasn't going to be enough salary wise. Just like it just wouldn't have got him there. So something else also, some player. Um, so instead, Philadelphia opts to go get George Hill instead um, and a three-team smorgasbord deal um, involving Oklahoma City and the New York Knicks because George Hill was on the Oklahoma City Thunder, uh, believe it or not. Mm -hmm. So while the rest of the deal is largely irrelevant, um, aside from Austin Rivers getting bought out and going to Milwaukee, um, I guess you guys got Tony Bradley. That's a thing. But George Hill here going to Philly. Does this – was this enough? Does this solve – 
the we need a, a lead guard issue? I think it kind of solves it. <laughs> I, I know that's – yeah, I think that is a cop-out answer, but Ben Simmons has proven he can be somewhat of a ball handler. Seth Curry has been really good this year for you. And I think adding a three-point shooter like George Hill and a playmaker like George Hill um, is going to be enough for this team um, if they are to make a run. I think Philly's well-equipped um, to win a championship. Like as long as Joel Embiid comes back healthy um, and can play healthy in the, in the playoffs, I don't, it's going to be hard to beat this team. It's going to be really hard to beat this team. This is what we've been asking from, from Philly forever is surround your two non-shooters with a bunch of shooters. And that's what they've done. So yeah. um, I like the move. I mean, you essentially, you don't give up anything really for George Hill, who's a competent NBA player who can play 20 minutes in playoff game. And, you know, uh, that's a win. Tony, Tony Bradley and, you know, a couple seconds, you do that a hundred times out of a hundred to get George. Right. Like there's just no, no if ands or buts about it. So like we, you, you're saying there, so it's always gonna be the three main guys in Philly, Joel, Ben Simmons, Tobias Harris. But now with George Hill, if they need shooting, the defaults don't have to be Danny Green and Seth Curry. You know, if those two guys are hitting, having a good night. Yeah, of course, leave him on. One of them's not George Hill. Yep. You know, it's, I think just having that one more guard that you really, really trust in the playoffs. That's not, you know, Furkan Korkmaz or Matisse Thibel or Tyrese Maxey, who while all of them good in their own rights, not George Hill. I think having that third guard that, you know, you can rely on um, is going to be just huge for Philly and, the backup center minutes from Tony Bradley are going to go to Dwight Howard anyway. So you're not losing anything there. It's can you get enough production from like Thibault, you know, on the wing forward positions um, when you need it or Mike Scott or whomever. So again, I'm with you, George Hill. This is a great pickup. And especially in comparison to the Kyle Lowry potential deal where you were having to give up, you know, yeah. Liberty Bell to get him. <laughs> yeah. You're kind of having to get the way better value got the roster there mid-season and you know Danny Green hasn't been terrible um not yet he's had his ups and downs but he's had a couple big shots in the last week or so um mm-hmm. and starting to pick it up a little bit and so I, I don't know I I, I like that they kind of didn't you know sell all out for Kyle Lowry you know <laughs> in a couple of months when it comes playoff time and we're in the second round they're playing the Nets or even in Eastern Conference Finals when they're playing the Nets you know, the conversation could be different, but as of right now, I I really like this move. It's a great move by Philly. And if you think you can get Kyle Lowry in the offseason anyway, right? Like why why give up everything now? I why I, why I give think, up the extra pick essentially. Yeah. Yeah. So I think while Daryl Morey known for being that aggressive GM, probably did the smart thing here. So we'll 100%. go over to the West. Um, talk about uh, three teams trying to make the playoffs. So Portland, Dallas, and the LA Clippers. So we'll start with Portland because I think I like this move the most, Ryan. Mm. Taking up Norman Powell from the Toronto Raptors, not having quite a fire sale like the Orlando Magic, but giving up some stuff. Um, Norm Powell goes to the Portland Trailblazers in exchange for Gary Trent Jr. and Rodney Hood. So... Does Norman Powell, you know, I'm going to ask a similar question to the Miami one. 
locked the Blazers into the top four of the West? Man, it it's going to be hard to outscore them. This is like the the thing <laughs> we were talking about earlier with uh, I don't know who were we talking about it with Chicago. Chicago, that's right. Um, man, Norm Powell, that guy's been balling this year. He's just been absolutely on a tear, and it and not on a very good Toronto team, you know. Um, I think he's he had, helped keep them afloat. Yeah, he was one of the reasons they were kind of in playoff contention. Um, and I, I love this move for Portland. Um, you kind of consolidate some players there um, who weren't necessarily giving you a ton. Uh, I think this was definitely a signal that they weren't wanting to pay Gary Trent Jr. this summer. Fine. Yep. Rodney Hood never really bounced back from that Achilles injury. Unfortunately, they really were high on him after that playoff run a couple couple seasons ago. Um, fine. Like, you know, consolidate those pieces to get Norm Powell, who's was my uh, sixth man of the year pick, which has kind of gone by the wayside now, uh, unfortunately. But, you know, he's awesome. He's going to give you a, a scoring element on the wing that we've been talking about for a long time with Portland. Um, it, he's not necessarily an awesome defender, but maybe, you know, Dame and CJ can kind of get him to buy in on the defensive end. And I've seen him be a, a very good defender, though. And, yeah. you know, maybe so that's just credit Nick Nurse. But, like, Terry Stotts is a good defensive coach. Like, the fact that Portland is even as competent as it is, like, throughout the regular season, like, is a, you know, compliment to him. Yeah. I think they can – I think Portland always plays some great team defense. And I think Powell will fit right into that, you know, being able to rotate and, you know, kind of play fast on the defensive end. Um, he's great size for them. Um yeah, six Again, five, six eleven wingspan. Love it. Love that six eleven wingspan. Yeah. Um, you know, and he's just another awesome shooter. Um, yeah. So I, I like this move a lot for Portland. We've been screaming for years for wing depth there. And they finally have some serious wing depth, yeah. it feels like. Turned turned their past wings of the past couple of years of you know Mo Harkless and Alfred Camino into Robert Covington, Norm Powell, Mello off the bench, like Derek Jones Jr. Yeah, right. Derek Jones. Jr. All of a sudden, it's like you got four guys there that can like play at least some in the playoffs. Right. Like, are they perfect players by any means? Each of them, de- no, like definitely has their flaws, but like there's some versatility there, and like this matchup warrants player A getting you know however many minutes or you know changing up for the next series. So I like it. Um, similar to the Aaron Gordon conversation, I like that Gary or not Gary Trent, um, Norm Powell, like kind of provides a little different element for Portland. Yeah. In that, like, he can definitely play above the rim, mm. right? Not something Dame and CJ really do, not saying Robert Covington does, not something Mello or Nurkic really does. So it's he provides that element. And then also you were talking about the spacing. Just imagine now, you know, Dame running the pick and roll and if you help off the strong side corner, you're leaving Norm Powell wide open. If you help off the backside corner, CJ McCollum's, you know, kind of lifting up away from the defender into a, a, a spot up three. Now it's like, cause in the past you just stayed with CJ and you laid off of whoever. Alfred, now, you know, you know, yeah, now you can't do that anymore. Now it's right. like Dame's running the pick and roll with two legit shooters on, you know, one on either side of him along with Robert Covington, who is, at worst, a competent shooter. Yep. So 
I, I think that just playoff wise, that signals, you know, we understand what playoff basketball is now. We understand what you need for playoff basketball. And it's a lot of pick and roll. So give the ball to Dame, give the ball to CJ, put Norm Powell on the wing to either kick out and shoot, kick out and, you know, and drive or run a secondary option there. Yeah. To answer the question that you asked originally, I think this puts them closer to a lock to the four seed than it does for Miami, um, who we just talked about. And part of that uh, in the West also is like, how do you interpret the question of like, are they a top four team or is it seeding where like the Lakers might not be a top four seed, but they're top four team talent wise for sure. But you're right. They're definitely somewhere in this realm though. Yeah. Um, With Utah, however you want to, you know, qualify the, the LA teams. They're somewhere in this four or five range though, mm. considering how much Dame's just being able to carry him straight up the way CJ's playing this year. Also when he's been healthy and now he's back, like he's been balling. It's been bad. It's been bad man stuff, right? Yeah. Like CJ has just been, he's been on a tear this season. Yeah. I, I think uh, he, if he stays healthy, he makes an all-star game, right? Oh, hundred percent. He definitely would have. Um, also, my last little bit before we move on to Dallas, I kind of like that Dame um, now has another like kind of fu guy with him <laughs> in Norm yeah. Powell. Yeah. Like, there's just something about like Norm's face is like just a constant, you know, RBF. Yeah. So I I love that there's just another guy who's like not gonna take crap on that team. It's, love like, it. Push him. I I I I'm very much here for that. That's the kind of thing I wish boston had more of um just speaking on that we'll go to dallas mm. so kind of sneaky little move here right before the deadline acquired jj reddick and nicolo Melli from the new orleans pelicans for james johnson wessa wandu and a 2021 second round pick so this feels very lopsided to me ryan in favor of dallas so yeah. i it's because like James Johnson, like you don't get me wrong, he's a fine tenth guy, I guess. Yeah, it's like a power forward, small ball center. Wes Awundu is kind of an interesting ish young wing. I don't know. He's like feels like he's like twenty six though. So yeah, how young he really is he? And then a second round pick. Yeah, you do that for JJ Redick. Also sneaky getting Melly in the deal, who can be like your fourth big. Yeah, I mean it's a good deal for for Dallas. Um, the J.J. Redick thing was really interesting to me. Um, Did you think he was going to get bought out? I didn't think he would end up in Dallas. I thought, you know, the tr- I just wonder what the trade market for him would was. I guess it was this. This was the best offer, maybe. Um, I wonder if someone got into the, we don't know if he's going to resign here or not. So, like, why would he give up much? Right. Yeah. I like the I like the shooting, giving more shooting to Luca. Um, you know, they gave up Seth Curry in the offseason to Dallas. Um, I w- I would have gone more defensive if I were Dallas, just playing next to Luca. But I mean, it always doesn't hurt to get more shooting, especially come playoff time. And JJ is essentially like what a forty percent. Career. for his career like yeah this year the percentage is like his low is like this year is like a 36 percent, which is just insane like that's yeah. above league average still oh uh, right. 
<laughs> so yeah, I mean, it's not a bad move. Melly is kind of a nice move too. Like you said, that's the sneaky piece to this deal. Um, I think it was New Orleans being like, all right, I think we have too many picks. We need yeah. to kind of consolidate here. Um, Going to make Stan fair. Van play Zion an extra five minutes a game. Oh boy, oh boy, Zion just putting people into the basket too. Not to get on a Pelicans thing, but um, smacking around my my Boston team tonight. Um, yeah. <laughs> so like with Reddick, and we've had this conversation with a couple of players now. His life's going to be so much easier in Dallas, right? Yeah, yeah. He doesn't have to play next to Eric Bledsoe. <laughs> he's not getting double teamed essentially. <laughs> but it's like he can go out there and he can stand in the corner. He can go out there and run off of pick and roll, you know, or off ball screens. He can go out there and kind of play a little two man game with Chris Stops. Like again, got to go over that screen so open opens up some space. Um, I, I I like it. At worst, he's a veteran. Rick mm-hmm. Carlisle will probably play him because he's white and he's a veteran. So yeah. you know, there's that going for him. And then Melly, a good stretch big, you know, very Maxi Kleba esque. Here, not quite the defender, but a very good shooter. So, again, you, if you're Dallas, this seems like a no-brainer. Like you didn't really give up anything; you just gave up James Johnson's contract, effectively. Right. So, yeah, you do this deal, and if it doesn't work for Dallas, like it's no big deal. But mm-hmm. keeping James Johnson was also no big deal. So at least do this. Yeah. So yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. That's a smart, smart move there. The last one, Ryan. We were talking off air. I really don't know what to think of this. So this is the the LA Clippers deal where they acquired Rajon Rondo from the Atlanta Hawks in exchange for Lemon Pepper, Lou Williams. I'm glad. City. I'm um, glad. Returning to Atlanta. And as well as a 2023 and 2027 second round pick. So two future seconds and Lou Will. For Rajon Rondo. And let's Man. just get straight to it. The Clippers. Does LA think that playoff Rondo is one, what's going to come in this deal? And two, does playoff Rondo make them good enough to win it all? So I told you this off air, Matt. And I said, this is the Clippers' last like all in move. Because you look at their assets and you look at what's on their roster, they don't have much. Like, this is it. Right. Lou Will was really the last piece to kind of move um, of this team outside of maybe Zubach, um, which they'll be hesitant to move because he's one of their few big men who can actually play right now. Also doesn't make a lot of money. Right. So like your return on him is going to be nothing um, in terms of like contracts or assets. Right. So I, I don't know if this puts the Clippers over the edge. I don't think it puts them in the conversation with the Lakers. I don't think it puts them in the conversation with the Nets or Philly, um, which is kind of the bar right now. Um, right. I think there's their step below maybe with the Nuggets, and that's not where they want to be. Um, they're much like Boston. They never get to the free throw line. No. They don't pass the ball very well. Nope. They don't get to the rim. Nope. And that's just not all great signs for a playoff team, right? Yeah. The idea here is Rondo will, you know, when he gets catch and shoot opportunities, will make a thousand percent of them like he did <laughs> Lakers. He'll whip the ball around 
like, you know, get the, get the hockey assist thing going there. He'll try to get to the rim, you know, run a pick and roll and, you know, try and get to the rim or throw a lob or kick it out like to Kawhi open or something. But like, again, he hasn't done squat in Atlanta this year. He didn't do anything in LA in the regular season last year. Right. And I get this playoff Rondo. And I know we're talking about off air, like, and as a Boston fan, wonderful, wonderful in Boston. Yeah. That ended in like the summer of 2012 for the last, what, nine years now he's played in 10 playoff games, like legit meaningful playoff games um, that have gone well for him. Like he's played more than that, but ones that have actually gone well. So it's like, so we're getting a maybe half his playoff games over the last nine years have gone well. He's really only shot the ball well in this last one for the Lakers from three. And at this point, he, I, I don't want to say that he's washed, but he's he's not as good of a defender and pick and roll player that he was then he's just not. So it's, it's, you're not getting playoff Rondo. I, maybe, maybe he proves it wrong again and he shoots a million percent three, but if he doesn't do that and he doesn't play a semblance of defense and is effectively Lou will on that end, then his value really isn't much of anything. Right. And I think that's the question that, ultimately is not is are you getting playoff rondo is it are you getting bought in rondo because we've seen when rondo's bought in with the lakers last year he played awesome but if he's kind of just there to collect the paycheck it's not going to be awesome (laughs) it's not going to be playoff rondo you're not going to get you're going to get a couple good performances from rondo but it's not going to be it's not going to be the player that puts you over the top right like are, is, are, are the Clippers thinking that he's going to be a third best player on their playoff run? That, if, that seems very desperate. That That's what it feels like to me. Yeah. Um, this, this almost feels a little bit like the Oladipo thing, but like in Miami, it's like if Oladipo works great. If he doesn't fine walk right for LA, it's like, again, if it works great, if it doesn't work though for the Clippers, like there's going to be some very real questions of like, what are we doing? Right. We as a team, as a franchise, Kawhi Leonard, what are we doing? Yeah, it doesn't. I mean, like Kawhi is another year older. PG would be another year older. I mean, it's not really talked about much, but Kawhi is, could be hitting free agency this summer. Right. Right. Um, and if this play, out, he has a player option, player option. Uh, and if this, you know, playoff run doesn't go well for the Clippers, does Kawhi maybe look at jumping ship and going somewhere else uh, that would have cap room? Like, I don't know, Miami. <laughs> uh, Wouldn't even blame him. Yeah, I mean, like, that's the thing is, like, what what happens next with this Clippers team de- it depends on so much of this playoff run. If they see a second round exit, Matt, I pose this to you off air, but if the Lakers hit that play-in game, and then in the second round, get to play the Clippers, and the Clippers lose. What do you do as a front office? Do you convince yourself to run it back? I think if you lose to anyone in the second round, you're you're in a whole world of trouble. 
in what I, in what in what scenario do the Clippers not blow it up? Like, look at do they have restructuring take, this roster? It feels like they got to make at least the Western Conference Finals against the Lakers and push it to seven. If so they're gonna, any, if they're if they're not gonna get to the finals, they've got to at least get to the Western Conference Finals. Mm. It be the Lakers because if it's like the Nuggets and be like we couldn't beat the Nuggets, you know, there's gonna be kind of like that, um, that like idea of like talking down on the Nuggets right. by the Clippers organization, like we couldn't even beat the Nuggets or the Jazz or the Suns or whoever it is. Um, so if it's the Lakers in a Game Seven in the Western Conference Finals, you lose. I think that might be viewed as like acceptable, but if it's anyone else, I just feel like. Even if it's the Western Conference Finals, they're going to say, screw this. Mm. Yeah. And, and, you know, that's that's a tough pill to swallow. But, I mean, it's kind of where the Clippers are at right now, right? Like, there's not, I, there's not another move they can make, really. Like, they were talked about being in the Kyle Lowry sweepstakes. I don't, I don't know what they would have given up to get Kyle Lowry. That yeah. straight up wasn't working. Also, just a minor, minor thing before we move on to the lesser um, important deals, the deadline. The fact that they're not like rumored with any buyout guys is super weird to me. Like, yeah, that's a that's just, a like, good point. No one wants to go there. That's a good point. I haven't thought about that. That's like a huge red flag, right? Like, like everyone's Lakers. flocking to Brooklyn or the Lakers. Right. The Celtics probably putting themselves in the buzz a little bit, but like the Heat getting buzz, right? But like no one's trying to get to the Clippers. So just, just something to ponder there. Um, some minor moves, like we mentioned around the Terry deadline, DeLon Wright got dealt to Sacramento in exchange for Corey Joseph and a couple um, second round picks. Again, Detroit's trying to accumulate some picks there. Brad Wanamaker leaving the Golden State Warriors to go to the Charlotte Hornets in exchange for straight, cold, hard cash. Um, Marquise, Chris, and cash going to the San Antonio Spurs for the draft rights of a player who will never play a minute in the NBA. Um, Terrence Davis going from the Toronto Raptors to the Sacramento Kings in exchange for a second round pick. Um, Matt Thomas also leaving the Toronto Raptors going to Utah in exchange for a second round pick. This is when it really felt like Toronto was about to make a move for Mm. Kyle Lowry. Mm. So it's like, okay, you just cleared two roster spots. You can do a three for one player deal here. And then it just didn't happen. Very interesting there. And then the big three-team conundrum that involved George Hill. Tony Bradley and Austin Rivers, um, along with two future seconds, went to the Oklahoma City Thunder. But as we mentioned, Austin Rivers is getting bought out. I'm going to go to the Milwaukee Bucks. Terrence Ferguson, Vincent Poirier, and a 2021 second going to the Knicks. And George Hill and Iggy Brazdakis going to the Philadelphia 76ers. Again, George Hill being the only real meaningful player in that deal. But I don't know. Maybe Austin Rivers could give the Bucks something um, since they don't have DJ Augustine anymore. Yeah, I feel like he was having a moment with the Knicks earlier this year. Yeah. And I feel like it just gives the Bucks kind of like another guard to throw out there for like five minutes. Fourth, fifth guard for that team. That's something. That's that's not nothing. So, all right, Ryan, League Pass, who are you watching this week? Matt, it is my week to watch the Houston Rockets. Taking one from the team on that one. Yeah, I have a lot of regrets here. Um, I put them off. I realized I put them off till this this long, but I do get a couple interesting games this week. I get the uh, 
rematch with James Harden. I get a, a Nets game in there. And then going into April, Matt, we're in April. This is the last full month of regular season playoff games or regular season playoff games, regular season games for the NBA. Um, and then they play your Celtics on Friday. And then yeah, Sunday yeah. they end the week playing the Pelicans. Uh, so it looks like I'll be watching three lo- losses for the Rockets and I will be moving on with my week. Who you got for this week? I'll go with Portland. They have Detroit Ooh. this week. Yeah. yeah. Uh, on Wednesday, the Bucks on Friday. Pretty good one. And then the feisty Oklahoma City Thunder on Saturday. The tanking Oklahoma City Thunder. Feisty. Yeah, sure. Y'all are, you need to calm down Moses Brown a little bit. Did you see they gave him a contract extension yeah. today? Like a four-year minimum deal. It's my boy, Moses Brown. Like all of it past this year is like non-guaranteed and team option, but like, hey, whatever. I, I like that. You know, Sam Presti paying, paying out his G-leaguers. Yeah, I like not. it. Moses Lou Dort. Was not an NBA, like real NBA prospect coming out of UCLA. It's been a year there. I was like, dude, no, you need to go back. I've been, imp- there. I've been impressed with him, man. Like yeah. he's been bouncy. He's been able to get to the rim a little. He looks a lot more athletic now. So, yeah. Shout out yep. Oklahoma City's staff there. Mark Diagonal, you know, coming in clutch with player development. That's what he was billed as. I guess so. <laughs> it's going to be a rough couple of years for me. You got to just give me some of these, you know? Moral victories. Moral victories. Anyways. That's it for episode 105. Um, thank you so much for listening. We we have a second half of the season essentially to wrap up here. What, like 31 games left or 21 games, something like that in the Sometimes, realm? I don't know anymore. Yeah. It's been a season, Matt, but I'm excited for some playoff basketball. I'm excited yeah. to see some teams really ramp it up here. We're going to see some fun. Here before we know it. I know. We're going to see some really fun basketball. Um, and thank you so much for listening to episode 105. Uh, we will see you back for episode 106. Yeah.